0: Good morning and welcome to Sunday at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth and we have just celebrated the coming of the Christ child into the world. Now, what do we do? It's the right time to ask ourselves, what is the importance of that event? What does it mean for me? And how do I live my life in response to what has just happened? Well, I wanna invite you to join this amazing church family and this safe place to explore your faith as we are asking the same questions. So come on in.
1: Our first lesson today is taken from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening the treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, choir. That was awesome. I love celebrating the Christmas season. I love this time of year. I love this passage about these wise men and what went on with them. Uh, It's incredibly exciting to me. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture and dealing with the Christmas season. Uh, It is good to be back with you again this morning. And uh, I want you, as you think about uh, this passage Uh, Think about this event of the wise men coming to the birth of Christ. And you've probably heard this before, uh, that um, we're not sure it was three wise men. Uh, The Bible does not tell us that it was three. We know there were three gifts, but we've been culturated with our Christmas cards It seems all the pictures are always of three wise men. The nativity scenes, of which I have several in my house, it's always three wise men. But we're never told in Scripture that it was just three. And I have a feeling there was probably a greater contingent of people with them due to their stature. I'll speak of that in a minute. But as you think about this situation that these wise men were invited to, I want you to think about what has been the greatest event that you would consider, if you were asking a group of friends, what's the greatest event you've ever attended? Uh, might it be the Georgia-Alabama game next week? Um, that might be it for some of us. Um, you think about that for a minute and let that sink in, and I'll share with you what one of my great events uh, in 2017. Jerry and I had the privilege; we took a tour of Scotland and. Enjoyed that then came down to London for a few days and we were able to attend the Queen's birthday parade Which has been happening every year the second weekend in June since uh, For almost uh, since the Battle of Waterloo 1814 I believe Um, And it's the you've seen pictures of it the red-coated British soldiers in the bearskin hats they come and form up in royal horse guards and they perform for the Queen. It's bagpipe bands, and uh, all the regimental bands are there, and it's a it's a great occasion. Uh, people dress up. You wear your best. Uh, a lot of British men are wearing their top hats and tails, and the ladies are dressed up, and uh, it's quite an occasion. Only 7,000 people get to watch that, and it only happens one day a year. And Jerry and I were privileged to have that opportunity to go see that spectacle, that British spectacle of marching. And uh, the lady that hosted us, that had our tickets, she said, meet her at this place close by, we'll have tea. And we walked in to meet her and had our tea there before we went over to the Royal Horse Guards Parade Ground where it takes place. And she says, oh, there's, there's one other American joining us. You may know of him, he's a TV personality. I looked at her, I said, who is this? And she said, it's, uh, his last name is Letterman. And I said, David Letterman? She said, yes, yes, it's, uh, that's him. And I looked over, here comes David Letterman and his wife and child. And we had tea before we went to the parade with David Letterman. Didn't say a word about his TV show or who he was, but we had a nice conversation. But part of that ceremony was when the guards form up, and this is all a British clockwork, when the bell strikes 11 o'clock in London, the Queen's carriage comes in and you can hear the crowds cheering her as she comes in the carriage from Buckingham Palace. Uh, Harry and Kate have already arrived. Uh, um, Catherine, uh, uh, Harry and Meghan have already arrived. Catherine, Princess Catherine has arrived also. Uh, William and Charles and Philip were on horseback riding behind her and she comes in and it's just a hush comes over the crowd. And when she comes into the parade ground, the bell strikes 11, the bands break into God Save the Queen, everybody stands, it's an awesome sight. Uh, but as awesome as that was and what a privilege it was and one of my dreams of my father and for me as well, and I was able to go, my father was never able to go, but he would watch video of it for from years past. Uh, it was wonderful to attend that, but it, the, the magnity of that pales in comparison to what these wise men went to. And I want us to see as we live in a day and age of much, as I preached on the trouble with God's favor last week, and we're entering a new year uh, this coming, uh, this week, we're in it already, that Jesus was born into very similar situations that we were are called to live in today as you study this passage and as Matthew writes about this strange visit of these people and with Herod and his reactions. And uh, as he says in verse uh, two, when they arrive and they would have come from more than likely the, the area of Iraq Uh, that's where the Babylonian Empire was, that's where the old Assyrian Empire, long enemies of Israel, they had both conquered Jerusalem hundreds of years ago. The Romans did not have authority or control over those areas. Much past the Jordan River, which was only 18 miles away from Jerusalem, uh, there was not much control by authorities and that was always considered enemy territory uh, with regarding Herod and Israel. And so this was a, a, a real Maalox moment for King Herod. And I'm gonna, if you'll indulge me, share a little bit about him. Uh, when these guys appear, he is the reigning king of Israel, so-called king of the Jews. Uh, the Roman emperors had given him that title, even though he was only half Jewish. He was half Edomian, he was half Jewish, but because of his political connections, which I'm gonna share a little bit more in a minute, he was given that title, King of the Jews. So when somebody shows up, and all the political ups and downs that he has known, uh, you can imagine why he might be a little upset. Uh, These Parthians were not controlled by Rome, Palestine was really a, a buffer zone of the Roman army and the Roman Empire the, to keep, keep things at bay. And so uh, uh, there was a lot of up and down politically going on in Israel uh, or Palestine during this time. Uh, in 166 BC uh, was the Maccabean Revolt. Uh, that lasted for maybe 30, 20 or 30 or 100 years and, and then uh, in 63 BC, Pompey came in and defeated. That was the last time Jewish governments controlled Israel until 1947, uh, a 2,000 year span. So that's how significant that was. And so uh, Pompey put the Herodians, the Herod family, in power, take control. I know you're not all Jewish, but take control, keep things at bay, don't let things get upset. Uh, And so this is the world Herod was living in. In 49 BC, Julius Caesar defeated Pompey. Well, Herod's father, who was Antipater, assisted and he assisted Julius Caesar, was a friend of Julius Caesar, and he was rewarded with the governor of Palestine. And so he's the governor of Palestine. But then a few years after that, in 44 BC, Cassius and Brutus, on March 15th of 44 BC, they famously assassinated Julius Caesar. And then Herod rightly becomes buddies with them. Again, he sees the writing on the wall. Uh, My old buddy's not in charge anymore. I need to make new friends with these two guys. And so he... He has the reputation of being a good collector of taxes. That's why the Romans like him there. So you can imagine the impact of the Palestinians, those who lived in Israel, they didn't like that. And and then in 42 BC, just two years after that, Mark Antony and Octavius, they defeat Cassius and Brutus. So there's another upturn in the ruling power of Rome. So Herod, again, the politician that he is, he quickly becomes friends with Mark Antony and Octavius who will become Caesar Augustus. Uh, And Mark Antony's wife or girlfriend, whatever it was, Cleopatra, she didn't have fond feelings for Herod and let him know that. So he knew he was in trouble with that. But they make... uh, 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 they make him ruler of Jerusalem anyway, keep him in power. And, and then in 40 through 37, the Parthians attack. He has to flee to Rome for his life because his enemy have come in from the east and he's fled to Rome seeking Rome's help to overtake. And they do come in, they do overtake what's going on there in Jerusalem and put him back in power. And they name him again after they send him back king of the Jews. So uh, there's a five-year battle that goes on. There's a three-month siege in Jerusalem, historians tell us. And And then in 30 BC, there's a civil war between Mark Anthony and Octavius. And Octavius wins, defeats Mark Anthony. And Octavius names himself Caesar Augustus of the Roman Empire. So you can imagine the super paranoidness that Herod must have had living in this kind of environment. Uh, I understand King Hussein, the late King Hussein of Jordan, had over 20 assassination attempts on his own life. Um, One person tried to put poison into his nasal spray to kill him off at one point. And so um, these things keep on. Uh, You remember Saddam Hussein's rule up and down. This continues on in several Middle Eastern countries and countries all over the world. And then there were many plots to obtain Herod's throne. He ended up killing seven of his wives and a few of his sons. One of his sons was assassinated uh, very soon before Herod's, or was killed by Herod because he thought he was making two aggressive plans to take over the throne. Herod had him killed. There was a joke in Rome, historians say, that Caesar Augustus would say, better to be one of Herod's pigs than to be one of his sons. You have probably live longer. But um, Herod was very paranoid. And you see this when you go there, as John has pointed out, he's been there. You see Herod's incredible building programs, they reflect somewhat of his paranoia. He built great uh, places that you can still see some of the remains of these places. The fortress at Masada over the Dead Sea is still in existence. And when the Romans breached that in the revolt in 70 AD, when they had to come back in after a revolt, they found three years worth of water and food stashed away in Masada that King Herod had put away. This was years after his death. Uh, he built what's called the Herodium. He built the Her- Antonia Fortress, named it uh, uh, after the, the Roman kings uh, right there in Jerusalem uh, where Pilate lived next to the what we call the Temple Mount. He had that rebuilt for the Jews. Those stones are still there. You see those on the news oftentimes. Those were built at the command of King Herod. It's nothing like it used to be before the... War in 70 AD. So he was very rich, Herod was, he was very powerful, but he was also miserable, I would imagine. He couldn't relax, always looking over his shoulder. Can you imagine what life would have been like, always looking over your shoulder? Maybe some of us can relate to that. You owe somebody money, you've done somebody wrong, Uh, somebody doesn't like you and you're always looking over your shoulder. Um, Not a fun way to live life. And so these magi, these men come across, and I would imagine, again, there was a a greater contingent of security with them traveling almost 1,500 miles across the desert from Iraq, across Jordan, uh, and then crossing over. And when they arrived, they would have come up to Jerusalem, the 18 miles uh, from one of the lowest places in the earth to about 2,500 feet elevation uh, to Jerusalem, and they would have stopped with their camels and their horses at what's called the Sultan's Pool, which would have been a watering hole, watering hole right outside the main gate, and then they appear, and their question is, and put yourself in Herod's place, where is he? who has been born king of the Jews is what they're asking. Herod's like, well, I I am the king of the Jews and I've been here quite a while. Um, And so they they tell the explanation. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then I love this. Uh, You tend to can skip by it. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Alice read, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him, Can you imagine what that would have been like when King Herod was troubled? Everybody's going to be troubled because trouble's coming. Uh, he's not going to let this pass by. He's worried about his throne. He's worried about his reign. And we also, we live life normally just like anybody. We have troubling times. We can be troubled. And when we're troubled, it troubles those who love us who are around us and we can react oftentimes much like, sometimes like Herod. And, uh, but you can see him, his eyes, uh, like the Grinch who wants to steal Christmas, trying to figure out, already working in his mind, okay, how am I gonna solve this problem? And so he had a plan. He assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where they were where this Christ child was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, so it was written, and they quoted the prophecy of that. And in verse seven, Herod summoned the wise men secretly, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that meeting, and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, and of course this was a great lie, he says, go and search diligently for that child, And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to wipe him out. Uh, He he was afraid of this. This was his plan. So he sends them away to do that. And these kings, uh, they traveled in the force. Their their request to King Herod was an insult to him. Uh, They brought this... Myrrh, this imported aromatic gum it 's a burial preparation. the frankincense is a perfume it 's sacred incense used in worship, and then the gold is very kingly for for like the pharaohs they they were they had were covered in gold and they they followed this star when they arrived. that star took them to his birth. There's been all kinds of speculations about the star. Nobody knows exactly what that was, uh, but they traveled all this way. God guided them all the way from Babylon, from Iraq, across Jordan, across the desert, to Jerusalem, and then down the five miles or so it took to get to Bethlehem. They were guided by that. Uh, People have speculated all kinds of things about that conjunction of the stars. I I tend to believe it's just supernatural that God led them, uh, part of his glory shining uh, around them, that it was a supernatural thing. Some people have tried to say their natural uh, aligning of the stars and so forth. But it was the shining glory of the Lord that he reveals those who are recipients of revelation and that is so exciting to me and as they visited they worshiped and you can imagine being mary and joseph and all of a sudden these men appear these magi and whatever contingent they were with and they present these incredible gifts uh, that must have blown them away uh, what an invitation to that event very intimate Uh, I've never been invited to the birth of anyone except my own children. And that was a time shared with my wife and I and and the nurses and the doctors. And that's typically the way it is. But here we have this situation and the shepherds are there and it's just incredible. And uh, these wise men come and they are led by that. And then we're told that they were told in a dream, not to go back and tell Herod. God told them in a dream and led them out another way. He says because Herod has a a bad plan for this. And we know that what Herod did once they left, he got incredibly angry in verse 16. Not a part of the Christmas story we like to talk about, but when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years older under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Uh, And this was fulfilled as well. I imagine the parents of those children don't think of Christmas as being very merry at that time. Uh, What a horrible situation. But again, it shows how Herod was so paranoid of holding on to power, and yet God's plan continues to be unfolded. And so I think this speaks to us in great ways, these wise men, Uh, they did something with a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, This speaks to the gift of God's guidance to us that comes to us through Christmas, that we're not out wandering around hoping that somehow God's not on a planet millions of miles away, that he will come and speak to us, that he will guide us. We worry that we might be so insignificant that God might not speak to us. And the Christmas story reminds me that God gives the gift of guidance to us. I remember when I was on uh, crew staff at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill speaking to college students. Uh, about their future and everybody want to know, well, I wonder what God's will is for my life. And that's exciting. We all wonder that. Um, And I would tell them, and I believe the scripture teaches that, that God's more interested in us finding our will for his life than we are in finding it. Uh, He's not up there playing some kind of shell game with us and hoping and making fun of us if we guess the wrong one. He's got a plan for us and he wants to see that fulfilled in our life and he will guide us. We may not always understand it. He may use circumstances that we didn't plan for, but he will guide us in that way if we know him as Lord and Savior. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. He's given us his scriptures. He guides us. what we need to have and we can be comforted at doing that Uh, many times we walk unknowingly into the most miraculous events of our lives that's probably happened to many of you that you walked into things that you never dreamed uh, would be part of your life and you feel so blessed of God to do that Um, some may attributed these things to circumstances or coincidences of chance or fate. However, there's, there's much more powerful and deliberate source guiding wise men to the savior. God wanted to make sure they found Jesus Christ uh, and he will do that with us. He's done it with probably all of you or most of you. And he's, if you're here, he's probably working on that right now or watching by television. God wants you to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He did that to me and I'll never recovered from it. And I'm grateful for that. The master planner had mapped out a plan generations before that was working out in this situation through these wise men. A plan that included them in this blessed event that we celebrate here today in 2022. God's guidance is available to us, to anyone with a tender heart towards Jesus Christ who seeks his hand along life's journey. God will guide us just as he did the wise men. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Micah 2.13, the Lord himself will guide you. Christmas is a celebration of the gift of guidance. If you want wisdom, ask God of it. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ. I love reading Proverbs, but I'm always reminded as I read Proverbs, one of the wisdom books of the Bible that Jesus Christ meets all those needs for wisdom for me. I need to grow closer to Jesus Christ and worship Him and honor Him and have the Holy Spirit work in my life become more like Him if I want true wisdom. Uh, This is the gift of Christmas, the gift of guidance. Let's celebrate that. Let's thank the Lord for it. Let's be assured of His promise that He will guide us to where He wants us until that day He calls us home to be with him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that we celebrate. Thank you for the gift of your guidance for us at Christmas that you want us to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior just as you miraculously guided these wise men. You guide us and we thank you for that. We celebrate that. Guide us each day in this new year, Father. Help us to remember to seek the things that please you. Uh, It was the Christ child that captivated them. May the Christ Jesus be the one who captivates our lives in 2022. Not just that Jewish king, but the king for the whole world. Our Lord, thank you for these things. We commit this to you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.